0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the October 29th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foltz with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeals says that the WCAB cannot bend the rules in the name of compassion or expediency. Here's what happened in the unpublished opinion of Adventist Health versus WCAB and Evelyn Fletcher. Ellen Fletcher suffered a work related injury to her back in 2000, which resulted in back surgery in 2004. By 2006, Fletcher was permanent and stationary. The employer acknowledges that she is entitled to future medical care for her industrial injury. The parties disagree vehemently, however, on what is reasonable and necessary for that care. For some time, Fletcher was receiving out of state treatment from Dr. Malik, a pain medicine specialist in Maryland. The employer filed a petition to change treating physicians, claiming that Dr. Malik failed to comply with reporting requirements, and the employer requested that Fletcher be ordered to select a new primary treating physician from a list of five other pain medicine specialists. Fletcher did not object and concedes that her doctor failed to report as required. The administrative director granted the petition for change of physicians, but None of the physicians provided by the employer would take over Fletcher's care. Temporary arrangements were made for her to be seen by Dr. Wasserman while the parties and the work comp judge struggled with the problem. Fletcher and the temporary PTP, Dr. Wasserman, did not get along, and she no longer wanted to see him. Wasserman did prepare reports that showed concern about her continued use of pain medications, an expedited hearing was scheduled to resolve the treatment issues. It seems that Fletcher had, on her own, obtained self care from an associate in the office of Dr. Malik, who had been administratively removed and who also failed to do reporting. The work comp judge ordered reimbursement for that care, thus circumventing the administrative removal order. Additionally, as new doctors were sought to provide treatment, The work comp judge ordered that any new doctor not receive the caustic reports of Dr. Wasserman, believing that those would taint the likely success of a new relationship with a new doctor. The employer objected to the order for payment for treatment by a physician in the office of the doctor who had been administratively removed from the case and the order redacting the reports from Dr. Wasserman from the treatment record to be sent to prospective physicians, and the employer petitioned for reconsideration. The WCAB denied reconsideration. However, the Court of Appeal, in the unpublished opinion of Adventist Health versus WCAB and Evelyn Fletcher, reversed the WCAB. The court noted that the dispute is not whether Fletcher has a right to a new physician, but whether she exercised that right according to workers' compensation laws and regulations. She did not, and her failure severely impinged on the employer's right to monitor her treatment to ensure that she was receiving reasonable treatment to relieve her pain. Because Fletcher unilaterally decided to use physicians who had not been approved and who did not submit treatment plans or medical reports, the employer was precluded from initiating the utilization review process. The employer simply had no way to monitor the treatment she was receiving. The WCAB, by denying the petition for reconsideration, according to the Court of Appeals, acted without authority when it condoned Fletcher's return to the same office that had been administratively removed. The Court of Appeal concluded that the legislature has created a highly regulated compensation system for injured workers with the twin goals of providing prompt medical treatment and containing costs. To achieve those statutory objectives, the WCAB must enforce the rules established by the legislature. Indeed, it is without authority to exercise discretion in the name of compassion or expediency. A lawsuit filed against the California's Division of Occupational Safety and Health on behalf of farm workers alleges that the agency has failed in its duty to enforce regulations protecting outdoor workers. The suit alleges that Calosha systematically failed to enforce the regulation that requires farmers to provide water, shade, and rest to their employees in order to prevent heat illness or death. The suit was filed by the pro bono firm public counsel, working with the United Farm Workers Union. Workers accuse CalOSHA of not conducting on-site inspections for complaints failing to investigate heat-related injuries and fatalities, and failing to impose and collect meaningful penalties for violation of the heat illness prevention regulations. The suit comes seven years after California became the first state to adopt rules requiring rest, water, and shade for outdoor workers. A public council news release said that, At least 28 farm workers have died of potentially heat-related causes since the regulation was first approved in 2005. They claim that this year alone, Cal OSHA is investigating heat as a factor in the deaths of four other people. Some of the plaintiffs in this suit were related to farm workers who died of heat-related illnesses. Cal OSHA is also investigating a Port of Oakland industrial fatality. Investigators announced that a maintenance issue at the Port of Oakland led to a fatal crane accident crushing a 51-year-old man to death. A spokesman for Calocia said that some type of maintenance issue involving the crane trolley wheels caused the equipment to veer off-center about 10.30 a.m. at berth 37.00. Two workers were trying to adjust the trolley so that all four of its wheels would properly travel on the rails when one of the workers got pinned between the bumper of the trolley and a guardrail. He suffered crushing injuries to his head and chest and was later taken to Summit Medical Center in Oakland, where he was pronounced dead. The port voluntarily shut down the crane operations and the company that owns the crane, Evergreen, agreed not to operate the crane until the maintenance work is complete. Cal records show that the death marks at least the second serious accident in the port of Oakland in the last five years. A dock worker from Ports of America was run over last year by a container lift and lost both her legs. And now our crime report. The criminal trial began in the case of a Sacramento workers' compensation doctor accused of taking sexual improprieties with his patients but the most serious charges have been stripped out of the complaint against him. Dr. Scott Dodd Anderson, who formerly worked at U.S. HealthWorks on Folsom Boulevard, still faces 22 counts in the Sacramento Superior Court trial before Judge Eugene Balanon. Court records showed a total of 19 counts had been dismissed by the district attorney's office in the interest of justice. They are split between misdemeanor sexual battery counts and felony charges that Anderson engaged in sexual contact with four patients. Deputy District Attorney Laura West did not say why the more serious charges were dismissed. Defense Attorney Patrick K. Hanley said they were dismissed due to insufficient evidence. In her opening statement, West told jurors they should have plenty of evidence to convict Anderson on the remaining 13 felony counts of him engaging in sexual contact with four patients and nine misdemeanor counts that he sexually battered them. One of the four alleged victims testified that Anderson touched her inappropriately when she visited him twice at the U.S. Health Works Center on Folsom Boulevard. The woman had injured her back while working as a medical technician at a local assisted living facility. The trial is estimated to last through November 1st. A 29-year-old Woodside High School custodian has pleaded no contest to allegations that she collected disability pay for a claimed workplace ankle injury until caught on video running in high heels and doing sexual acts in public. Hayward resident Madope Aduni Martin switched her previous plea of not guilty to no contest days before her trial on charges of workers' compensation fraud was scheduled to begin. Martin first reported an industrial injury in February 2009 and in the ensuing months limped into doctors' offices on crutches, saying she could not walk. But when doctors began to suspect that Martin was misrepresenting her condition, investigators put her under video surveillance. They caught footage of Martin using the crutches to walk in and out of a doctor's office, but walking without them a short time later. Video also showed her running in high heels to a park to meet her boyfriend. Martin was arrested and subsequently charged with 10 counts of insurance fraud. As a result of her no-contest plea to one count of felony workers' compensation fraud, she will avoid time in state prison and will serve only up to one year in county jail. Martin's case was continued to December 13th for sentencing. She is currently out of custody on $40,000 bail. 40-year-old Osvaldo Molina and 46-year-old Fortino Galeno of Fresno, along with 41-year-old Alicio Galeno of Los Angeles, have been arrested for workers' compensation, premium fraud, failure to pay taxes, tax evasion, and grand theft. Molina and Fortino Galino have each been charged with sixty one felony counts, and Alisio Galino has been charged with twenty three felony counts. Their company, Floor Care Systems, operated in Fresno and Los Angeles County, cleaning floors in supermarkets. Molina and Fortino Galino are suspected of underreporting over five million dollars in employee payroll to their insurance carrier. This fraud has cost insurers an estimated $780,000 in workers' compensation premiums and caused the state to miss out on nearly $190,000 in withholdings. Detectives also found evidence indicating that Galino failed to pay minimum wage to employees and locked employees inside their work area without proper supervision. Molina and Fortino Galino were each charged with four counts of workers' compensation insurance fraud, 17 counts of failure to pay taxes, 17 counts of tax evasion, and 23 counts of grand theft. Their bail was set at $560,000 each. Alcio Galino was charged with 23 counts of grand theft, and his bail has been set at $345,000. He was booked into L.A. County Jail. And in regulatory news, after approving SB 863, Governor Brown vetoed several proposed standalone workers' compensation bills this year, as well as some of the California Chamber of Commerce job-killer bills that passed the legislature. Assembly Bill 584, which would have required physicians conducting utilization review to be licensed in California, was vetoed. The governor said in a veto message he was not convinced such a mandate made sense. The governor also vetoed Assembly Bill 211, which attempted to improve injured worker benefits by providing vouchers for work training after permanently disabling injuries. The governor said he was reluctant to enact piecemeal changes in the absence of comprehensive reforms addressing costs and benefits. Assembly Bill 947 was vetoed, which would have extended temporary disability payments up to 240 weeks where surgery or recovery from surgery occurs after 104-week cap. The governor said workers' comp reforms need to ensure that workers' benefit needs are met while also making sure system costs are sustainable. Finally, Assembly Bill 1155, which would prohibit apportionment based on race, gender, and age was vetoed by Governor Brown. The governor said courts already have found basing awards on those characteristics violates anti-discrimination policies. The California Chamber of Commerce reported that 28 of 32 job killer bills the California Chamber of Commerce identified this year either did not pass the legislature or were vetoed by the governor. Six bills were sent to the governor and two were vetoed, four will become law on January 1st. According to the Chamber of Commerce, these job killers have something for every business and industry in California to hate. Automatic minimum wage increases, increased employer liability, new barriers to economic development, more regulations, and higher taxes on business. The Division of Workers' Compensation has modified the text of proposed hospital outpatient departments and ambulatory surgical center fee schedule regulations. And the DWC has electronically distributed the first 15-day notice of modification to interested parties and has posted the modified regulations on the DWC website. The proposed modifications to the text of the hospital outpatient departments and ambulatory surgical centers fee schedule regulations are authorized by several labor code sections. The modifications in this draft of the regulations include the following. SB 863 lowered the maximum facility fee for services performed in an ambulatory surgical center to 80% of the fee paid by Medicare for the same services performed in a hospital outpatient department. Additional adjustments were made to the hospital outpatient department's and ambulatory surgical center's fee schedule through three administrative director orders issued subsequently to the Notice of Proposed Rulemaking and Public Hearing held back on January 25, 2011. And finally, the proposed new rules harmonized billing requirements with the division's e-billing and standardized paper bill regulations. Chief Counsel Dusty Overpeck has been named after Acting Administrative Director of the California Division of Workers' Compensation. As Administrative Director, Overpeck will oversee regulatory efforts needed to implement the wide-ranging changes of Senate Bill 863, which will go into effect January 1, 2013, among other administrative duties. The position of Director came open in early September with the surprise resignation of Rosa Moran, who held the job for less than a year. Moran returned to her prior job as a workers' compensation judge in the division's Oakland district office. Overpeck has served as DWC's chief counsel since 2005. In that role, she has drafted and overseen regulations implementing workers' compensation reform and programs, participated in stakeholder meetings and public hearing regarding proposed regulations, advised the DWC administrative director, and supervised the DWC legal unit. She previously served as the Acting Administrative Director back in 2009. She first joined the division in 2000 as counsel. Richard L. Newman has been named Chief Judge of the division, a position he has held in an acting capacity since August 2011. The Chief Judge works closely with the Administrative Director, Regional Managers, and Presiding Judges, to oversee the work of workers' compensation judges at the division's 24 offices. Newman previously was presiding judge in the San Francisco District Office. He began working for the division as counsel to the administrative director in 1991. The Division of Workers' Compensation, in conjunction with its vendor partners, will host another electronic filing expo in Anaheim on Thursday, November 8th. Electric filing is the fastest way to get documents into EAMS, DWC's electronic case management system for the workers' compensation courts. There are two ways to file electronically eForms and JetFile. JetFile is best suited to filers of the six most used court forms, while eForms are available for all forms. The Expo will provide information about and demonstrations of both filing methods. The event will be held on Thursday, November 8th from 10 a.m. till noon and 1 till 3 p.m. at the DWC Anaheim District Office, located at 1065 North Pacific Center Drive, room 170 in Anaheim. Please note there may be costs for parking in this area. No registration is necessary. Filers can drop by in any time between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. The program will repeat throughout the day, and there will be an hour lunch break from noon till 1 p.m. And in financial news, the United Football League announced Saturday that it was suspending play after only four games. Saturday's statement, one of the few issued this year by the league that has no commissioner or central office cited insufficient funds as the reason for suspending the 2012 season. Paul Pelosi, the owner of the Sacramento franchise and husband of former Speaker Nancy Pelosi, cited the high cost of obtaining workers' compensation insurance as a reason for the league's 2012 financial problems. The UFL also saw its 2011 season come to a premature end as it canceled the final two games of a planned six-game season. The UFL has been unable to pay its players coaches, and support staff this season. Pelosi, William Hambrecht, and Bill Mayer are the league's primary investors. Hambrecht owns the Las Vegas franchise, while Mayer owns the Virginia franchise. The UFL lost $120 million in its first three years of operation, and its fourth season seemed almost doomed from the start. Training camps were supposed to open in late August, but the insurance issue The UFL still had to pay off last year's bill for workers' comp. In addition to securing new coverage, forced repeated delays and eventually led to pushing back the start of league play by a week. And with that story, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and for much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad or iPod by searching for the WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.